Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here we talk about the connection between creativity and healing, and how we are creative, and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally. Join us now. Hi everyone, Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing, and today I have with me Tamara Sagathieven. Tamara is a South African mixed media artist based in Poland. She enjoys painting things that people might consider scary or ugly and touching on topics that can sometimes feel taboo or too silly for art. She works through her she works through and expresses her experiences as a human in this world using her art to unearth herself. So welcome Tamara. Hi Larissa. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> I'm very happy to have you. <laughs> Tamara and I were just having an amazing conversation. Um, and I was like, oh, we haven't even started the podcast yet. So I was like, maybe we should do that. <laughs> so we might share some of that as well. So for those who don't know you, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and the path that's brought you here? Sure. Um, I'm going to try and choose very wisely from the many threads that make up my story um, the thing that I feel very led to share about, about my path is that I am South African. And in if anybody knows me and they've seen the stuff I do, I always say, hey, I'm Tamara, I'm from South Africa. But I realize that people might not understand what that actually means. Um, it's not just my geographical points in this world, but being South African, especially a South African of color, um, comes with a lot of experiences that shape how I see the world and how I interact with it and also some of the things I need to heal from and what that means is um, South Africa or being South African means I have experienced a beautifully racially diverse life uh, taking from other cultures and giving to other cultures it is one of the best experiences I think especially when I see in retro in in, in comparison to my partner who comes from a very ethnically homogenous country, which is Poland, um, there's access and there's points that I have indoors that he just cannot open because he doesn't have that reference point. So that's a beautiful thing about being South African. We have the spirit of Ubuntu, uh, which means roughly that I am because you are. I cannot be, I cannot be at peace and at ease if you aren't and are hurt by my actions. And that is definitely a South African thing. But the darker side of it is um, we were also a racially divided and separated country. So we had the system of apartheid, which basically means to be separate, where uh, there was a division between white South Africans and South Africans of color, but also within South Africans of color, we were separated into race groups. And that permeates every, whether you like it or not, every single tier of society, um, your religious your religious circles, school, and even the corporate sector. So I was um, born, my parents were born into apartheid. Um, I was born and I, we were liberated from apartheid while I was a young child. But just because you're liberated doesn't mean everything's okay. So, um, I have a lot of those experiences that make me see the world uh, very differently. Um, it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people to talk about. I think if I didn't feel so comfortable with you, I would have a lot of shaking in my voice right now trying to speak about this, but it's so important to who I am. So when I say that I'm 
South African, this is my experience that I'm talking about, where um, it's another additional layer or filter that uh, you need to kind of punch through to be seen in this world or to actually live in this world. And then maybe I can talk about the corporate sector a little bit, which, as I said, has this two sides of being South African in it. But I was a very stressed, aggressive, um, I would say buried person or buried, depending where you are and how you want to say the word. And I eventually went from being really angry and fighting against everything and being like a rebellious freedom fighter to just being somebody that's like under a big like duvet, you know, just like a muffled voice. And it got to the point where uh, I hit depression, which I didn't know was depression. So hashtag not depressed. And I couldn't get out of bed. My partner was leaving for work and I was just huddled in this foreign country doing a job that I loved. I love Excel spreadsheets. I know you do too. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's so good to, to be able to say to another artist, I know you do too. It's so cons like we have a conspiracy going. Uh, <laughs> but um, I couldn't get out of bed for that form of creativity anymore. But then art was my lifeline. And suddenly I needed to wake up earlier to paint. I was taking a lunch break because I needed to paint. I was finishing at 6 p.m. because I needed to paint. And that was my lifeline, but eventually it wasn't enough to just stay alive. Um, and the pandemic came and I realized my values were just not in line with the things I was being asked to do and the place that I was in. So like a very responsible adult, no plan, I said, bye. <laughs> and I just, that's it. And I didn't have a firm plan about what I wanted to do. I did know that I wanted other people to know that this lifeline existed, especially people like me. Because as much as I was creative as a kid, uh, my art class consisted of having one bottle of green paint that the entire class of 42 children used. And the art teacher was like, huh. <laughs> thank you so much, sir. And that was my experience of art in school. So I know that there are many, there's millions of people like me with the same background and art seems very frivolous uh, in the reality of the world we live in, but that's not the case. It was a lifeline. And I thought, God, if I can just tell more people, this would be so cool. And um, I had no plan and the stars aligned, everything aligned. And I discovered Iris, our mutual friend. I had liked her stuff and followed her and I, I really admired her for her like raw style and that things weren't really pretty, you know, the things she was creating had some like grit. And I thought, okay, this is what I want to do, but I don't know how to get you. And I don't know if I'm allowed to. And I started doing art coaching with us. And she was just like, oh, you need permission. I permit you. And I ran off with it and I just couldn't stop. I was painting weird things, dark things, taboo. I was dealing with racism and sexual abuse and all of these things and it sounds so heavy and I know I have a very light voice when I talk about it but that's because suddenly I could access stuff that I just couldn't hit before and I'm still I think really thankful for that process so that's why I sound so excited when I talk about it mm -hmm. and from there uh, my first chance to teach was given to me by the amazing Larissa Russell and I am so so thankful that you trusted me because I, I gave I gave a lot in the lesson, but what I got back 
and this is my experience with teaching, it's just, I can't weigh them against the other. It feels like I'm putting a lot into it and what I get back just does not equal what I put in. It's so easy. It feels, everything's easy and like flowy and oh, it feels like water. I don't know how else to describe it. And that's the kind of area that I'm in now where I'm trying to make sure that I'm still putting this message out there that art is here and it's a lifeline. But I also want to be, and I mean, this might sound quite egotistical, but I also want to give people permission. Who am I to permit you? But if you need it, please go ahead um, to just do what they want, you know, be weird, paint weird stuff and just paint in the first place. I think that's my entire path. It sounded like a, like a, like a roller coaster. Um, I hope you're still on. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think they definitely will be um, still listening because, uh, you know, I think that's so. <laughs> that is, I think, more people's story than you realize. You know, traumas and, yeah. you know, creativity is not uh, an important part. You know, as you're, if you're a child, yes, crayons, but then it, you, it loses something because it has no value in our culture until you're a superstar with it, right? Sell a bestseller or, you know, paint a masterpiece. But it takes everything in between to get there. But they forget the very important part, which is the healing that comes with creativity. Right. Right? Sorry, you were going to say something. No, I, when, you, when you said that, it just like hit me. I was thinking about this. When someone's in med school, it's like, oh, they're going to become a doctor. And obviously, this is very important for me as a person of Indian origin. You're, you're going to become a doctor now. That's cool. But when it's an artist, yeah, well, which museum are you in? How much of money are you making? Yeah, but Nikhil is in med school. He's like, okay, I don't have anything against smoking marijuana, but he's smoking marijuana all the time. And you're not asking him <laughs> what he's doing, but you're worried about me and my paintings. Like, I've, I've been healing, yo. <laughs> what do you want from me? And that is such a valid point because I was trying to think of like um, occupations that people do where they don't have to be superstars before people actually acknowledge what they're doing. And I, I thought about all the careers that are definitely like med school, lawyer. And I thought, okay, you know, engineer. And I, I couldn't find, like even me, analyst. When people heard I was an analyst, oh, wow. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm doing. I'm losing my soul every day, <laughs> you know? That's exactly it. I was very good in management. I, every every job I ever had, I would try to start lower because I didn't want to manage. I'd end up managing. And yes, because I was very good at it. But it's soul sucking. I didn't love the work I was doing, whether I was in oil and gas, which I did for years, or I was in, I ended up switching to the beauty industry um, when oil and gas crashed. And management in anything is um, just soul sucking. So I was just like, no. No. So then I went into a nonprofit thinking, oh, I'll be doing good in the world. No, it's still the same. <laughs> it's soul sucking for me. It may not be for you, but for yeah. me it is. As a creative, it, it it just, yeah, it's it's killing our creatives, literally. I think you're one of the few people, as I said before, that really likes that I know that's an artist that likes Excel. I know some people do art in Excel, but the reason I think I became so obsessed with this creative aspect of being a business analyst was because I needed it so badly. 
that I would find creativity in everything. And I'm not saying that it didn't exist. Of course, creativity exists everywhere. But I often wonder why I did that so strongly, because obviously I met other business analysts and I would be like, oh, yeah, this is so creative. This is the best part of the job. And they'd be like, huh? What are you talking about? It's about the numbers. And I mean, I had to also be careful who I said that in front of. It was easier to say that in front of other females, especially other females of similar backgrounds as I did. But if I said that in front of a man, sorry, men, <laughs> I know you're oppressed and things are hard for you. They'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, <and> was, <laughs> but it is creative. But I think that's why we do that sometimes as creatives. I know that's why I did it because before I had that lifeline, I needed to find something else to like dig me out and to cling to, like a, like a, like a raft, life raft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, spreadsheets with color and different. <laughs> I still in a secret. I still I did a spreadsheet today. No reason whatsoever, but I love it. I just cannot let go of spreadsheets. I put everything in a spreadsheet, and then I wonder why I do it because. <laughs> It would be so much easier if I, you know, used one of my other programs, but I love it. I love, I love that hands-on thing. And so, yeah, I don't know. And the colors and the, I get to line it all up the way I want it. And yeah, it's just, yeah, creativity is in everything. It, it Oh, it most definitely is. Um, I said to my partner recently, like, it's even creative the way you avoid throwing the trash. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks very much. Yes, no, but there's, you know, people that make coffee in a certain way that, and, and I know that I'm, I'm maybe putting a little bit too much emphasis into it, but when I see my mom making tea, I said coffee, making tea, it's a process, you know, like transferring it from cup to cup, it tastes good. There's artistry in that. And I really, like some people tell me, oh, I'm not creative. I'm like, uh-huh, you and I just haven't had a like long chat yet. Let's find it. And it's the same putting toilet loo roll into the loo. You know, the way you put it, whether you fold a triangle in it or not, whether you put extra for your guests, uh, spoiler alert, I never do. <laughs> it's artistry. It's everywhere. So mm-hmm. it's not just paint and sculpture and whatever else we might automatically think of as, as creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water. Anytime that you can um, make a decision, right? You're being creative because you, if you're making a decision, there's creativity in that. You get to decide and, and you always get to decide. Even when you think you don't have, um, you know, you, it's not up to you. It's always up to you. There's always consequences one way or the other, but it's always up to you. Yeah, I, th- th- this is where I'm feeling like, okay, mom, yeah, I know, but today I don't want to think that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. In fact, I think I've even heard that from my daughter, so yes. <laughs> um, I was having a, this, a slight wobbly recently, and I phoned my mom, and I was like, you know, it's it's been so dark, and the, the weather's changed, and she's like, did you play music? Did you play, did you play some Bob Marley? And I was like, okay, mom. And she's like, when I'm feeling sad in the morning, that's what I do. I, I hear you, you're feeling sad, but did you do this? Because you're phoning me and you're, you're speaking like you want solutions. And I was like, and she's like, okay, go put it on. And I was like, okay. And then I put it on and then like five minutes, I was like, oh, mom, you're the best. Thank you so much. And she's probably like rolling her eyes because I gave her so much of like, 
such it was such an uphill battle. But um, some days, if you're not hearing it from a kind and compassionate voice, and somebody says that to you, uh, you really feel like, oh, okay, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. But obviously, you said it in a kind and compassionate way. So, okay, Larissa, I decide. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I do have those same conversations with my daughter as well, because, yeah, we, so we don't want to hear from other people things we already know, right? It's, it's like when somebody tells me how I should eat. Yeah, I know those things. Am I doing it? No. Does it make me feel like crap? Yes. But I don't need you to tell me that it's going to make me feel like crap because I already know it. Yeah, I'm at that point in my life now where I dare people to come at me about what I'm eating because um, I've struggled. That was one of the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was one of the things that art helped me with. And I I think I've been on diets like since I was nine years old or something. That's a, that's a tough age to just start dieting because at 14, your body's changing and things are coming out and you're like, God, what did I eat for this to happen? Uh, but no, sorry, love, your body, it's called puberty. You're growing these things because they're supposed to be there. Um, and I think I, I'm still in recovery, I would say, but it's been um, two years now that I haven't been on a diet of any sort. And I know it, it, to each man his own. Like, I'm not telling you stop dieting or stop eating well. What I'm saying is the amount of energy and the amount of pain that dieting and diet culture and diet talk has given to me, I'm not ready yet to um, allow anybody to uh, come at me for, for how I eat and, and all of that stuff. And it's so amazing for me personally, the moment I decided I wasn't going to diet anymore was the moment I decided that uh, I wasn't going to binge eat. It just stopped becoming attractive to me. And I'm not saying that's going to work for everyone. I'm just saying it really hit me because I've been struggling with that for so many years. It's like, oh, I'm not dieting anymore. Oh, you know what? I don't think I need Nutella on Nutella on Nutella. Although it really is good. Have you tried Nutella on itself three times? <laughs> I do recommend five stars. So, <laughs> so yeah, when you say that like, I, geez, guys, leave us alone. Let us eat what we want. We know our bodies. Go away. I'm ranting now. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm right there with you because it's been, I, I have not been a dieter per se, but I've had it brought to my attention my whole life, right? And I look back at some of the pictures of me when I was younger, when, you know, my mother thought it was okay to make comments and things like that. And I'm like, oh my God, I would... I'd give anything to be that thin. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give anything to be that thin yeah. because I, I don't have the energy. And it turns out that the trauma that's been caused in my body has messed up all my uh, hormones and things. So it doesn't matter how much dieting I do. I still struggle to lose weight because of it. So until I can get my, uh, you know, internal system working properly, it, it doesn't matter how much I, I struggle or no, how much I would want to lose weight, which I honestly don't care other than uh, the pain from the extra weight that causes on my joints and things, okay. you know, health concerns, things like that, maybe, but I don't care what my weight is. Um, but I do, I do care that other people think that it's up to them <laughs> to tell me what I can do, 
what I shouldn't do, what shouldn't, shouldn't do, and and what it's costing me, blah, blah, you know, whatever. Anyways, yes, we could go on that one forever. (laughs) But uh, to all of those people that are listening that want to come at me and Larissa, leave us alone, okay? We're happy. Believe it or not, it's not we don't care. And let us eat, okay? Because, geez, come on, man. What's life if you don't eat? You worry about you. I'll worry about me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So the one question that I do ask everyone, all the guests, um, what does healing with creativity mean to you? And I think you've definitely touched on it, but maybe you want to sum it up somehow. Um, Sure. I think it's not just one thing. It's definitely multifaceted. So I said at one point it was a lifeline. Um, I think it's also for me about naming things and understanding them because I feel like you can't work on, or me personally, I can't work on what I do not know or have not named. And once I name something or realize what it is, then I have this drive to just go in, okay, where, where did it come from? Let's figure it out. Let's work on it because that's just who I am. But the uncomfortable part, which I am still working on, is sometimes some things are not meant to be solved. You just need to sit with them and look at them. Sometimes you don't even want to, but <laughs> you need to do that. And art has been. So far, the only way that I've found that I can actually sit in, and I I hope you bleep this out if I'm not allowed to say it, but sit in your shirts, basically. That's what Iris and I say. And just let it be what it needs to be. And I think at any one time, art can be any of those things for me. When I'm going through a rough time, I still need a lifeline. And I don't understand. I need to name it. But um, most recently, it is definitely more my companion whom I notice things with and process things with and understand that I might never solve it or now is not the time to solve it or it just needs to be witnessed. Um, and that's what healing with creativity means, being able to draw on that toolbox and um, sort your stuff out. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I, I think when I was listening to your podcast, uh, it was the second episode, I think that was at, well, that came out and you were talking about sitting in your shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not a real I, artist is, is uh, Tamara and Iris's podcast. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> you're going to tell us all about why it's amazing. <laughs> I, you see, this is, uh, I'm, first of all, I'm blushing for those of you who can't see blushing quite red but okay now you know I I'm glad you think it's amazing of course we think it's amazing because we made it but uh we try to Iris and I are are, we work well together because she is very articulate and eloquent and I decide to take you I say hey okay we're all going to the carnival and I get there and I'm like Iris where are the kids she's like oh don't worry I, I did put them in the back So it's kind of that vibe that we have going on and we try to be uh, honest um, as we all do, but that might include swearing and talking about uncomfortable things and just encouraging people to be who they want to be. Um, That's what I would say it is. And uh, it's not just me saying it's awesome, it's Larissa too. So yeah. Oh, Larissa, that's a horrible plug. That sounds like I put a plug in it. (laughs) Hey, well, I'm going to just expand on that because I I love the conversations that you and Iris have. 
Um, Iris is one of my favorite people as well because I think she's just so authentic. And yeah. she's one of the, the the vlogs that I watch on a regular basis because of that authenticity. And normally I don't care what people are doing in their in their day-to-day lives. Like I really don't. And so I don't understand reality TV and things like that. But for some reason, there's something about Iris that just makes you be interested in what, what she's doing because she's so authentic. And so when you and her talk together on your podcast, uh, you can see that kind of where she's she's keeping it a little bit um, collected, um, yeah. but you know you give her a run for your for her money with your you know segues and things, and I just think it, I, I I love it. I just I love the conversations you have. So I've really enjoyed it so far. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm I'm sure she'll be very happy to hear that you think so. Um. <laughs> I'm sure there's one or two other people out there. A lot more probably. Oh yeah, there, there, there's been some positive uh, feedback. I say some. I'm trying to. I'm trying to just not over talk about our podcast on your podcast. <laughs> but you know what? Collaboration feedback. is one of my core values, and it's one of Creative U's core values. So it is. I love the sharing because just because they listen to your podcast doesn't mean they can't listen to my podcast. It's not a competition. So yeah, I'm okay to play. Yeah, so I'm so glad you you said that, and I see now this is me going on a on a taking you to the carnival, and you didn't ask me to take you there. You said let's go grocery shopping. Um, one what of a the fun aunt. <laughs> <laughs> I think my niece might disagree. Um, <laughs> one of the things I actually wanted to to talk about, if we didn't talk about it, was collaboration, because that's also something that's been weighing on on my heart recently. And I think it's because I didn't realize that being a creator would be such a lonely uh, job. And I've always been very comfortable in a silo, but suddenly I find myself uh, wanting connection. And it's not just connection with nature and my partner, that's not enough. I need to connect with people on a deeper level than more than just Um, share my art and somebody likes it I'm not talking about groups that are uh, where we all get together and we comment and we you know I think you have a very great community on heartbeats that's Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm talking about that is a community I'm talking about the general ways in which we share on social media you know it's it's like scroll and that's okay that's what it's designed for but I've just recently been craving such deep connections like when you asked me to do the podcast I was just like yes because it's like I need to talk to someone who understands and who can kind of help me feel that I'm not alone. And I wondered if lots of artists are feeling this way and um, I haven't really got an answer to the question because I haven't spoken to anybody yet about it except you now. Um, and it's if, if people are feeling lonely, like how do they how do they get to this point where they can collaborate? And I can say how I'm doing it. Obviously, I talk to Iris a lot. Doing the podcast with her, I agreed to speak to you. But what I've been trying to do is like get artist dates set up, and it's been so stressful because it feels like an actual date. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> um, I know that you're really cool and stuff, and it feels like actually asking someone on a date. And someone said yes, but now I'm stressed out beyond reason. Now what do I wear? Um, but do you maybe have any tips like about how I can maybe start collaborating more with people? I mean, I would hope somebody else would get value from it, but I'm here for myself. So <laughs> I love collaborating in all ways, but 
um, just remember that they're feeling the same way you're feeling, right? So when you reach out to people, they'll they'll either say like no because either they're uncomfortable with the idea or they're they just have too much going on, or they're going to say yes because they're like, oh my god, somebody wants to spend time with me and I'm feeling the same way you are, right? And and it's the same thing with like I host many summits. I, I t- try to take part in summits and, and often when I take part in them, they're like so happy that I would be there. And I'm like, yeah, like I can't always be like doing one side. I want to share too. Like I want like, so I'm happy to be here. I'm also happy to bring, you know, what I've built to you, especially if you're starting out. It's one of the reasons that I also like sort of look for artists to be in my summits or creatives and healers, both, right? Um, because I want I want to help other people expand and grow and, and be the best them, right? And so anytime that I can collaborate with somebody, I will. And so I, I don't have that, that, you know, you have to have 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 people on your list. Do I try to have a balance? Absolutely, right? So I do ask, you know, what your list is, what your social media is, so that I can have a balance in the summit because we, we're promoting. It's a business. However, collaborating with people who are, are just starting, you know, teaching or just starting online is is so important with me to, to me because I want to help people. But anytime you can collaborate, I do a, a live podcast with uh, Deborah Epstein, uh, Connection with Spirit. And we do that monthly. Uh, it's alive. And that came from just having amazing conversations. Every time that we would get together to do an interview of some sort, usually for one of my summits, sometimes for hers, we would end up having like this 45 minute conversation first. And we were like, we have to share this. Like we have such amazing conversations, kind of like you and I were doing, you know, before we started. And I'm actually going to cut that out and put some of it at the end so that I can share it with people. Um, but just remembering that we're all people and we all have been on the same path. And some of us might be at different places on the path, but we still are those solo, you know, especially I, I work from home and yes, I, I have a bit of a team now and I, I, I do talk to a lot of people, but I still connection to people is different than talking to a lot of people. And so when you can, when they say yes, they're just as excited as you are. Just remember that. And you might get 10 no's for every, you know, 11 asks, right? Or nine, so nine out of 10 people, let's say, say no. But it doesn't have anything to do with you because either they don't know you, they're absolutely um, terrified of the, the idea. How would that work? But, you know, and they have to process that. Um, but also that sometimes just schedules, right? So don't take it personally if people say no. And then just put yourself out there everywhere. Just collaborating is so fulfilling. I have met such amazing people. I've had so many different projects come my way because of it. I've, you know, uh, been a co-author in a book that international bestselling. I've, you know, have another business with another person. I have a live podcast with somebody else. I do my summits, the podcast collaborating is who I am. So just put yourself out there and remember that 
they want it as much as you do, or they're terrified, <laughs> which is, those are the two most common things that are happening. There could be other things, but those are the two most common things. Yes, or, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> okay, and so this is my takeaway. They feel the same way that you do when you're especially nervous. And the other part is, yes, you want to spend time with me. Um, and then collaboration also opens doors, not just for a relationship with the person you're going to do art with, but in, in many other ways. And obviously, you become more comfortable with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah and quite... you do, right? Like, I have no problem reaching out to anyone if they say no. Eh, all right. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the, the thing, actually, learning to, to deal with rejection and understand that it's not rejection of you. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, like... In the society, if anybody rejects, it's always about you. Yeah, change yourself, change the way you speak. Da da da. Um, so that's a very good one to work on. I'm getting better at that one, but I'm probably I need a lot more practice at getting well, rejected. Then you have to ask a lot more to give yourself more practice of being rejected. That's how it works, because you can't practice being rejected if you're not rejected. Yeah, I'm about to leave this podcast and go and ask like 15 different people to marry me. So <laughs> <laughs> just for the practice, <laughs> maybe we could stick to art. Uh, your partner might not be too impressed with that one if somebody says yes. So, you know, <laughs> maybe stick with art and, and just reach out to here's your homework today. Ten people today. Ten people today. I'm doing this really cool thing where I'm doing an artist date and I saw you doing blah, blah, blah. And I loved it. And I think we would have so much fun doing that together. What do you think? Okay. I'm going to do it because I always make sure I do my homework. Thank you, Larissa. Teacher's pet. <laughs> awesome. I love when people do their homework. And then I, I want to hear all about it and how amazing it was. And nine of them might say no or not respond at all. That's not on you, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I will definitely let you know how it goes. But again, it's this thing about permission. And it seems I, it's still something I'm healing probably. Because um, historically, I've never been a, a person that needed permission, except to go on the beach when I wasn't allowed there. Uh, but that's an apartheid joke. Um, but this thing of asking permission, I think, is because for so long I had to ask for, for permission to send a report, to do a thing, to talk to a client, blah, blah, blah. And I think I'm still healing from that. But it helps when people like you, people like Iris, give us the permission we need to be the versions of ourselves that we are dying to be. Literally so, yeah. dying to be. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving you permission. And then I'm giving you permission to give yourself permission on anything else. You have the power. Oh. This is like inception. Okay, I have the permission to give myself permission. Mm -hmm. And I give anybody listening the permission to have the permission that I've got the permission from, from you. <laughs> that permission sense. just expands and we all have permission to do what we need to do for our own selves. Yeah. Yes. Now, I did, uh, did see that you have a free mini workshop. Do you want to explain? Or tell us a little bit about, about that for our listeners. Um, I do. It is a free class that's going to teach you how to create 
a number of abstract backgrounds, but all in one place. Um, and you can use that in your art projects as art parts, or just to see what you like and don't like about the supplies you have. Um, I do have it hosted on my website, but I will give you a link to also just go to YouTube. I know some people prefer to watch on that platform. Uh, it is quite intense, but it's also very cool if I do say so myself. So I hope that you will enjoy it. I'm, I'm sure they will because um, you're such a fun um, creator and I love what you do and then how you teach it. It just, you make it fun and safe for people. So I think, I think they will absolutely enjoy it. Thank you, Larissa. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share today before we go? Um, I think I've shared enough. <laughs> And I, actually, I want to go back to the beginning to you when you were introducing yourself and, and telling us a little bit about yourself. And I want to thank you for sharing that part about your South African heritage, because, yes, I know I know you're a South African artist. Right. Um, but the what that means. So I just want to thank you for sharing that, because I think that's a really important piece, especially as a white person myself um, and the information I've been fed about. South Africa and apartheid and all of that. I think it's really important to share your own experiences so that other people have a better understanding of, of what that's like and how that sits within you and how that's affected you as a person. Um, I'm actually getting like goosebumps. I am. Thank you for saying that. I was, this, this thing about being South African just kept on coming up into my heart and I, at one point, just did that to my hand. I, I slapped myself and I was like, no, 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 Tamara, come on. You can't just go and talk about racism on someone's podcast. Um, but I also, in the past weeks, have been exposed to a lot of people who are from South Africa on these forums, but they were all uh, white South Africans. And they are definitely my brothers and sisters. Not for a moment would I say that they aren't. But I realized that the experiences that they were giving out and, and talking about was so different from mine. And I think that's why it weighed on my heart to share it. So having you just validate that means so much to me because I was very nervous. And now it feels uh, the next time I will be a little bit braver to probably do it again. So thank mm -hmm. you. I hope so. I hope so. Because I think it's important. It's an important part of who you are. But I think it's also important for us to share our stories so that people have either an understanding as in, oh, there's someone else like me, or an understanding as in, oh, that experience is completely different than mine, but equally valid, right? And so sharing our stories, I think, is such an important part of um, who we are and what we do. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I've loved our conversation. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me, Larissa. And thank you to everybody for listening. To me. To our listeners, we will see you again next time. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Thank you for listening. If you found our podcast of interest, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you listen in. 